This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Our lesson today probably is one of the most important. In my judgment, it's one of the most important in the series on the, that we're having on aging. And it's about retirement. How many here in the class this morning can raise your hand and say you have retired from your regular uh, employment, your regular job? How many of you have retired? See, that's almost unanimous. Um, I know some of you ladies have, have uh, always worked at home, but you still work. And, uh, <clears throat> and you haven't retired from that. Well, our, our um, lesson today is about retirement. Planned obsolescence, it can be, but I hope it's not. And so that's the, um, that's the thrust of our lesson today. Psalm 92, turn there in your Bibles, if you will. I, I, I had planned to read the entire Psalm, but I don't think I will um, <clears throat> for time's sake. But uh, Psalm 92, I hope you'll take the time to read it. It's one of, the, one of the great Psalms. They're all great. They're all the Word of God. But it, it, re it really speaks to us who, who are up in years in life. Um, it starts out, verse 1, by saying, It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy Lord, O Most High. And then uh, the psalmist continues, but let's go down to verse uh, 12 and read the last three verses, the last four verses here in, uh, in the Psalm 92. The righteousness shall flourish, the righteous shall flourish like, a, flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted by, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And then notice verse 14. And I want to park on this verse a little bit today. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. That doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> and flourish and flourishing. Why? Why are we to flourish? Why are we righteous? Why, why, why all this? Verse 15 sums it up. It says, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Uh, that should be the theme of our life, that last verse. Our lives should be lived, we should flourish in the Lord uh, for the sole purpose to, uh, to, um, uh, to show that the Lord is upright. He's my rock. Aren't you glad we have a foundation like that? The Lord, the Lord God, the creator of the universe, He's my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. But <clears throat> the psalmist tells us here that we should bring forth fruit in old age. We should be fat. That, that terminology there is uh, descriptive of God's blessing upon us. We should be filled with the fullness of God is really what it means there to be fat. It doesn't mean what you're looking at right now, okay? <laughs> it's okay to laugh at that. That's all right. I'm... <laughs> Uh, that is if you're looking my way. Uh, aren't you glad that's not what it means, Robert Campbell? Yes, sir. Ah, amen. 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 
I'll refer back to that verse uh, a couple of times. Anyway, retirement, planned obsolescence. We live in a throwaway society. We throw away an awful lot. If you spent any time in the hospital recently, and some of you have, you realize that they no longer sterilize uh, um, and reuse their medical equipment. Uh, you know, I, I remember years ago, you know, they would, they would use some, uh, a, a needle or whatever they used, you know, and then they put it in a little dish and with alcohol in it, and then uh, they would sterilize it and reuse it again. They don't do that anymore. They just throw it away. Uh, some of us have gotten too lazy to wash dishes. Um, no reference to anyone here in this class, of course. <laughs> and so now we use paper plates, you know, just throw it away. Uh, discard it. Lay it on the, uh, on the uh, put it in a trash can. Um, uh, we discard old model computer, computers. When a new thing comes out, it's got a lot of new bells and whistles on it, you know. Even though the old one's still working, we run to the store and get a new computer. My iPhone, which is laying up here on the front pew, is an i7. Now they've got 13s and 14s. I think, it's, I think the 15 just came out, didn't it? What is it? Next year. Next year, 15s next year. Wade would know because he gets a new one every year. You know, they come out with, with, these, uh, with new iPhones every year. New iPhone comes out. And uh, there are some people, you know, that <clears throat> um, still have, they don't have the old ones anymore. They just throw them away and get a new one. And uh, my 7 still works. And uh, it'll probably work until Jesus comes. And I'll probably keep it that long. But anyway, we, we just live in a... In a in a throwaway society. And so it's not out of line for us to expect that in our, in our modern society that uh, driven by this throwaway philosophy that they consider old people to be dumpster trash. And uh, you, you, may, you may cringe at that statement, but there's some truth to it. Um, the recycling campaign is strong, strong evidence uh, for, the, for the extent to which we operate on throwaway principles these days. Uh, here's how it works. We throw away something and then recycle uh, re and reuse some parts on the thing that we've discarded. Drove by a, um, uh, we used to call them junkyards, uh, where, you know, where old cars were. <clears throat> And uh, the big sign out front says, take off your own parts. <laughs> you know, you can go and go through there and say, oh, I need this for my car. You know, and take it off and, and use it. And, uh, but that's the mentality that we have these days. Is, is it, could it be true that soon we'll have warehouses full of spare parts of older people that are still... Uh, usable as transplants. We kind of shake our heads at that, you know, and kind of look down our nose a little bit at somebody that may say that. But the truth is, uh, they're, they're, they may be uh, soon uh, keeping people comatose so they can be fields from which they can harvest spare parts. 
we think that's far field. No, it's not. It's happening today. And some of these things seem to be strange to us, but the truth is that, uh, that, that, may, be the, that may be the trend of the, of the day, and at least in the future, if the Lord tires is coming. But you know what? We're not dumpster trash. As a matter of fact, God makes it very clear in the Word of God that we are to still be vital believers, vital Christians, till the day we die. And we'll talk about senility in a little while. But um, let's notice, first of all, Roman numeral number one, that God's attitude toward aging is different from the world's. And we have to understand that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that I have ever taught material like this before in all of my ministry. In fact, the truth is, I think that a lot of times we preachers kind of shy away from this sort of thing because aging is a touchy issue with some people. And if I was younger, I probably would be teaching this series of lessons, uh, particularly to older folks. But I'm your age. In fact, I'm probably much older than a lot of you are here today. I'm not as old as, as, um, as uh, um, what's his name? Huh? Ron. I'm not as old as Ron. Because I'm not as, that makes me not as old as dirt yet. But <laughs> but I realize that it can be a very sensitive subject. But you've noticed as we've been teaching this series of lessons, I've not been sensitive about it. In fact, I really have said some things that probably some of you have cringed, cringed about or cringed over. And my wife certainly doesn't like me using the word old. She likes to put the ER on it like on the R on Asher, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting today. I'd never heard that story before. I, uh, I was glad to hear that. Um, <clears throat> that he's not really an Asher, he's an Ashi. I have to call him that, Ashi, Pastor Ashi. <laughs> no, I won't do that. I respect my pastor, okay? But anyway, <clears throat> I realize that, that some of these things that I've said and will be saying and the lesson today can be kind of sensitive, but don't be sensitive about it. In fact, what we've been talking about is something that should have been talked about a long time ago. We, we older folks need to realize that we are old, but God's not finished with us yet. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you are obsolete. You're not obsolete. I'm not obsolete. That we all have some good years left in us. I don't care. You may be walking with a cane or a walker. It may be doubled over. Uh, it may take you a while to straighten up when you get out of bed in the morning. But the truth is that God still has something for all of us Amen. to do. Amen. And we're talking about retirement. But um, as we get through, get down into the substance of this lesson, you're going to realize that what I'm talking about as far as retirement is concerned is not just retiring and dropping out of sight. Now, sometimes we have to face forced retirement. Our, our employer may require that we retire at a certain age. And uh, 
uh, and, and our health may dictate that as well, or something other may dictate that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that we just uh, drop out of circulation. That doesn't mean we retire from work, but we keep going on. So God's attitude toward aging is different from that of the world's. Is it necessary for us to give up? Must we become senile? It's normal for us to look forward to a period of time when we're, when we're, when we're considered obsolete. Is it normal? That's a question, by the way. Is it normal for us to look forward to a period of time when we're considered to be obsolete? The answer to these questions are found in this, in this chapter that we looked at, Psalm 92. And verse 14, as we've looked at it, already says, they shall, be, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. Now think about yourself for a moment. Are you still fruitful? Think about that. That doesn't sound like obsolescence to me, does it to you? When God says we shall bring forth fruit in old age, that doesn't seem like that God's put us on a shelf somewhere uh, that uh, we, we would just kind of withered away. We may have withered away, but God didn't do that to us. And God has expectations for us. So God's attitude clearly conflicts sharply with the world. An older green tree thriving and producing fruit is not one that you would replace with a younger one. It seems that God expects the righteous to, to lead a, a, a virtual, a vital, useful life among his fellow believers no matter what age we may be, too often it seems that older people give up and fade into the shadows because that's what we're supposed to do. No, it's not. That was what the world would, would suppose we would do, but that's not what God expects us to do. It's just to fade off into the shadows. We're still useful. Biblical expectations are important. We older, folk, older folks must not think that our time of usefulness is effectively over, because it's not. Many of us act as if, if our part in our, in our elderly years is to mark time until we die. Uh, we discover that uh, that, mentali that mentality among, uh, is among us, even among our people. And, and for a variety of reasons, some people like to have it that way. Instead, they could be rendering significant service for the Lord. We don't have to just sit back and do nothing. More of family members and others who, who care for older folks also should change their minds about this matter so they can line up with the biblical teaching about age. Sometimes our families get the idea, well, you know, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they, they've reached an age now, you know, they... they they're kind of a little senile. You know, they, they, don't, they can't do what they used to do. And it's true, we can't. I certainly can't do what I used to do. My mind doesn't function as clearly as it used to. I hate to admit that, but it's true. I've made this statement, I think, a couple of times that I sympathize somewhat with, with Joe Biden. I don't like his policies. I don't like his politics at all. I think he's one of the worst presidents we've ever had, and he never should have run for the presidency of the United States. He shouldn't be there now. 
because he has cognitive issues. And, uh, uh, and the people should have had enough sense to understand that before they ever elected him to be president. But I understand why he's that way. Now he's not as old as I am. And I think he uh, cognitively, cognitively <laughs> is in worse shape than I am. But I can understand because I have some of his problems. I can't remember names anymore. I have a hard time remembering some of your names. You may not understand this. Maybe you do because you're getting to where I am. But some of you people I've known for years and I have to stop and think once in a while, what is that guy's name? I hate to admit that, but, but I've gotten to that place in my life where it's, a, where it's a fact with me now. That's the reason why everything I do is in manuscript form and I have to read it. I hope you understand that. And because uh, I, I don't think like I used to be able to think. I have a hard time memorizing scripture. I can memorize it and five minutes later it's gone. Some of the verses I used to know profusely, I really have to struggle to remember them. And so I have these problems, then it's a problem of old age. And, uh, and, but you know what, I, I, have, I have come to realize that that's the way God's made me. That's the way old people get. And so I live with it. I joke about it. And, um, and, and uh, I don't joke about it because I'm embarrassed about it. Maybe sometimes I am a little embarrassed that I forget someone's name. But we, but we face those things. We talked about that in the first lesson of this series, of the things that we lose when, uh, in the aging process. But I still understand that God is not finished with me yet. I still have something to do for God. And I'm going to try to do it. And uh, to, my, to my greatest degree, the best I can. So vital living is the end of our life. That's our goal, vital living. Letter A is older Christians are to remain vital in old age. How do we do that? Let me suggest these three things to you that I think uh, will help us to remain vital. First of all, number one, be current. If we, leave all interest, if we lose all interest in what is happening around us, we'll soon become outdated. I see old people that get like that, you know, outdated. Um, and you can read the footnote down there for yourself. Um, but anyway, the tendency is to stop when, we become, when it becomes harder to stay current. Reading Christian periodicals uh, and books and, and literature will help us. Sometimes we may have to use a magnifying glass, but it's worth it. We should be aware of what's going on in the world and what's going on in the church. Uh, don't become oblivious of what's taking place around us. Listen to the news. I would steer away from um, the main, mainstream media on the news because most of them are not telling you the truth, you know. But find out what is the truth, you know. And, and know what's going on. Know what's going on in the church. You're a member of this church. Be aware of what Good News Baptist Church is doing uh, where Pastor Asher, Ashy, <laughs> Pastor Asher, <laughs> 
Oh, I'm gonna, that's stuck in my mind now. <laughs> Uh, Pastor Asher and the deacons and the leadership of the church, be, be aware of, of what's going on here and what we're doing and so forth. It's very important to stay current. And um, uh, we, should, we should pray regularly about, uh, about the coming events at our church and for our missionaries, those that are both on the field and those that are home on furlough. We should attend church faithfully. Did you hear that? In case you didn't hear it, I'm going to repeat it. We should attend church faithfully, just like we're told to do in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 25. Here's what it says. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. What I just did is called, is called a... What is it called? <laughs> it does have a name, but I've forgotten. Um, some kind of a pause. Dramatic pause, thank you. It's called a dramatic pause. It gives you an opportunity to think upon what was just said. <laughs> All right. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Um, you know, live streams are a great thing. But if you stay home and watch live stream when you can be at church in the assembly of God's people doing what God has asked us and commanded us to do, there's a reason why we gather together. Amen. It's the reason why we're here together because we can fellowship together. Amen. I would have a tendency to forget who you are if I didn't see you every Sunday. <laughs> Number two. Be involved. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 says this. God gives us teachers and preachers. It tells us there in that context. He gives us teachers and preachers for this, for this reason. For the perfecting of the saints. Are you a saint? Of course you are. If you're born again, you are a saint. And, uh, that, and, and for all saints of all ages... You know, there's no age limit on that statement. God gives, gives us teachers and preachers for the perfecting of the saints, all saints at all ages, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the reason why God has given us preachers and teachers for that purpose is so that you and I will know how to do the work of the ministry, even at our age, you see. All Christians are called to some kind of ministry. It's possible that, uh, that we, ha we have to learn something new in order, to, in order to acquire the skills to do something in our older age. We should never say, oh, that's too much for me at this point in my life. Uh, our favorite cop-out is, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. But guess what? We ain't dogs. And older people can learn new tricks. Wade? The best way to keep from becoming an old dog is to keep on learning new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> what was the punchline again? The best way to keep from being an old dog. Or just one person at a time. Keep from being an old dog, learn new tricks. There you go. You're right, Wade. Thank you for, uh, for that. I appreciate that. You remember what some of the Bible characters did when they're old? How about Abraham at age 99? 
What did he do? He fathered a child at age 99. Now, you'd have to have a miracle from God to do that, but, but, uh, but that's not all, you know. If you don't know what you can do around here, ask Pastor Asher. He might, uh, he might uh, come up with something, you know. There are any number of tasks that you might assume to relieve others if you're willing to do something that's not necessarily in the limelight. If we're more interested in serving than getting applause, um, you'd be surprised how much you could get accomplished. And then number three, be creative. If for some reason Pastor Asher doesn't, isn't creative enough to come up with something for you to do, then you just have been told what you can do. Think of something you're on your own that you can do. Be creative. Be creative. And of course that being creative extends into other things as well. Uh, you can discover some avenue of ministry yourself and uh, what, uh, something that you can offer to the church. Usually, usually it's better to keep that a little quiet until you have kind of demonstrated the fact that you can do it on a regular basis, and then you can propose it to other people. I've written some suggestions here. This is not a complete listing, but, it, but this is some ideas. Uh, you can write some letters to missionaries on behalf of the church. Uh, send out the weekly bulletins and shut-ins. Our church does that anyway, but they do it up there in the office. And maybe somebody here, maybe somebody here in this class could take on that responsibility and relieve some of the office staff of that responsibility, and you could take that on. Uh, my guess is that Pastor Asher would provide the postage for you to do that. The church already does that anyway. And, um, and, or, or you could volunteer to help in the office. Some of our ladies do that on Friday. I know Joanne and, and um, um, I forget her name. Who? Erlene and Linda, Linda Turner. Uh, they come up and they stuff the bulletins. The bulletin that you got at the door this morning, they went through their hands. They were up there stuffing those other things inside of it yeah, uh, this Friday, getting it ready for the Sunday service. There might be something that you can do in the office. Go up there and say, hey, you know, is there something I can do around here that, um, uh, that you do that uh, I could relieve you of? I bet there's some people in this class, maybe you used to be a secretary somewhere, uh, and, and you've got some skills that you could use. And uh, you've come up to, uh-oh, <clears throat> somebody just pointed to their wife. I won't, I won't tell who it was, but, um, but, but you know, some skills that you could use for the glory of God and relieve the office staff of some duties that they could do some other things. Think about that for a while. Ask Norma Dunn. For who of our shut-ins you can prepare meals for? Where's Norma this morning? She's sick. She's sick. She's sick. All right. She's shut in. Huh? She's shut in. She's shut in. <laughs> hey, somebody could take a meal to them. If you're watching, Norma, expect a meal. I just put our class on the spot, didn't I? Listen, Norma Dunn would be tickled to death if you'd come to her and say, is there somebody in the church I could prepare a meal for? 
that she may even have a heart attack. So be careful how you do that now, okay? <laughs> Ask Pastor Tobin for ways you can help in the Spanish church. I bet, I bet he's got some things he could do. I bet you could dream up some, some examples of your own. Part of what we have is time, time that ought to be redeemed. And uh, so time is precious. It's a precious resource that should not go to waste. And that, we got a lot of that time. And I bet we could use some of that time to the glory of God if we'd just be innovative. Um, uh, you, you have to evaluate, uh, evaluate your capabilities to find tasks that fit those capabilities. God wants you yielding fruit. Remember those verses we read in Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14? Yielding fruit, staying green. Your task is to is discover how, how you can do that. Consider this to be homework. Uh, the homework itself could get inactive older persons involved instead of spending a lot of time in front of the television. Take out paper and pen and start listing possibilities for service. That activity itself will shake some of the cobwebs loose and some of the rust uh, out that has been accumulating on the brain. You can do this. We can do this. We ought to be doing this. And too often too little is expected of us older people. When our expectations live up to our capabilities, we often surprise ourselves with what we can get accomplished. Think about that. Then letter B, senility is not an option. There are some indications that senility is, at least in part, non-physical. Here are two doctors, uh, I've got, you've got these quotes before you that made these statements. Uh, <clears throat> Ruel Howe made this statement. He says, autopsies fail to show any consistent relation between arterial serial, uh, um, arterial whatever that word is, and senility. <laughs> arterial, thank you, thank you. It means hardening of the arteries, folks. And um, autopsies have, have shown that there's no relationship between that and senility. Uh, Merle Oberletter, he's with the Einstein, Einstein, Einstein College of Medicine, made this statement. He says, frankly, I, be, I believe people bring senility on themselves. Well, there are clear indications that the right view of God's plan for aging can make all the difference in whether one becomes obsolete or not. That is assuming that those who are willing and able may still live vital lives for the Lord. We must be biblically motivated and not worldly wise. I'm afraid that so many times we tell ourselves things that we're con we convince ourselves of that are not really biblical and that is that Older people should just get out of the way. Don't listen to that nonsense. The devil would like for you just to sit down and do nothing and grow old and regret it. Don't let the devil do that to you. All right. I'm not going to read this, uh, this quote from, from P.G. Wadhouse. You can read that for yourselves. It's there in, in your notes. But, but when he died, he was a, he was a humorous 
and um, an author. He, he loved writing. He died at age 94. And when he died, there was an incomplete manuscript of a book that he was writing. It was left in his typewriter. And uh, he died in 1975, so they didn't have computers. Very, they weren't very popular back in those days. I think that was just kind of, they were just kind of, that was back in the days of the Commodore. Anybody remember Commodore computers? Um, but the, but there, was, there was an incomplete, incomplete manuscript in his computer when he died. You see, he refused to get senile. He refused just to give up and do nothing. He kept writing, kept writing, kept writing, kept writing. And that was the whole gist of it all. Letter C, keep a young perspective. Stay young. Young in your mind. We know the body is getting old. But keep a young perspective. There are other ways that older people can, stop, can, can, can stay on top of things. Uh, one is uh, to, uh, to, to, invite your, to, to involve yourselves in the task of younger people. You know, our annual vacation Bible school is a good example of this. I thank God for those of you in this class who volunteer for vacation Bible school. I think all the ladies that work in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen, Joanne, under your leadership there, I think they're all in this class, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Some of you who teach, uh, but there, we have a lot of seniors that are working in our vacation Bible school. You're getting involved with the younger people. Now, they're really young, but, they're, but, but it's, it's, a vital, it's a vital part of, 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 of getting older, to keep young, keep a young perspective. The Bible has many examples that indicate that how, there is, how there should be a mix between the older and the younger people. And there's two examples here. 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. You read that on your own. I want to go to Titus chapter 2 here for a moment. And open your Bibles for this. And Titus chapter 2. And let's look at these few verses here. Um, beginning with verse 2 of the second chapter of the book of Titus. Um, uh, Titus comes right after 1st and 2nd Timothy. Uh, I'm going to start reading as you're still, some of you are still finding it. Uh, let me go back to verse 1 and just read down through verse 8 and I'm going to make some comments on the way. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Verse 2 says this, that the aged men, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. And then verse 3 says that the aged women, likewise, just like the old men, so you old ladies, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, but teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women. Here's our responsibility, older ladies. Teach the young women, teach them to be sober, that is serious. To love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient, and uh, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And young men likewise, Teach the young men likewise. And by the way, 
uh, <clears throat> you'll notice in verses two and three, it speaks of the aged men. Verse three is aged women. And then it says, likewise. In other words, the same duty is given to the aged men that's given to the aged ladies to be teachers. And that's why when we come down to verse six, it says young men, it has here a reference back to the aged men, teach the young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself, be an example of thyself, uh, a pattern of good works and doctrine, uh, so, uh, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. God says that the aged men and the aged women should be teaching the younger men and the younger women. Are you doing that? Well, well I've raised my kids. Uh-uh. You raised your kids when you were younger. I taught my kids how to live. Yeah, but you're old now. And this is what Paul's referring to here, us old people. The old ladies, the old men. Teach the younger ones. Think of that for a while. Think of that. God has given us a vital part of life. Think of all the experiences you've had as a mother, as a father, as a grandfather, grandmother, uh, as a worker, all the experiences of life that you've had. Do you want to just sit down and put those in a little box and put them away? All those experiences? All that wisdom? Uh-uh. God says, no, use it. Use it. Teach the younger ones how to, how, how, teach the younger, younger ones what you have learned. Well, they won't listen. You'd be surprised. We might be surprised. You know, it may be that the younger people have not been used to having the older ones to say, hey, can I help you with that? Let me be a help to you. You know what we do? When we see the younger ones doing something wrong, we usually, you know, we get all brussy about it <laughs> and give them a piece of our mind. Well, maybe it's just because they've never been used to an older person coming up to them and say, you know, let me teach you how to do that. Let me show you how to do that. You know, I've, I've got to share this with you. I, <clears throat> this, uh, when I was a young dad, uh, I used to work on my own truck, change the oil, spark plugs, you know, and all that kind of sort of thing, replace the brakes and all that. I used to do that, all that myself. And then they put computers in those dumb things, and now, can't, now nobody can do it except, you know, take it to the shop and pay big bucks. But back in those days, we didn't have to do that. And one day, my son was sitting on the edge of his bed, and he was just sitting there. And I, said, I said, Jeff, what's, uh, what's going on? He said, Dad, he said, you do all this stuff with your truck, but you've never told me how to do it. Wow. That was just a knife that God stuck deep into my heart. You haven't taught me how to do it. 
And, uh, and I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of things I haven't taught my son how to do. And the truth is that we older people have sat around while the young people have been starving for somebody to tell them how to do something. You say, well, where's their parents? Well, their parents could probably use our assistance too. You know? The Bible tells us that we should be teaching the young ladies and the younger men. Teach them how to do good. Here's an idea for some of you ladies. We have some of the best cooks in the world right here in our, in our Sunday school class. Uh, we're going to prove that again on Thursday. <laughs> well, we really do. Some of you ladies are, are just outstanding cooks. You really are. What are you doing with it? I'm feeding my husband. I know he's getting fat too. Uh, um, lay off a little bit, you know. Uh, but here's an idea. Have you ever considered holding a cooking class for some of the young ladies and some of the young men, for that matter? You don't have to be a Paula Dean or Julia Childs to do that. There's some of our young ladies that would love to know how you make your red-eye gravy or your meatloaf or, or some of the other specialties that you have or just some of the ever, everyday things. Elva, I bet, you, I bet you that there are some ladies in this, young ladies in this church who would love to know how you make your lasagna. Yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding about that. Elva makes some of the best lasagna I've ever eaten. Good stuff. And uh, several of you could team up together and do this as a ministry. There are many young men that'll thank you forever for ministering to their future wives. I kid you not. These verses that we just looked at show how the elderly may, may combine their assets of wisdom and experience with younger enthusiasm and strength to produce better results than if either tried to do it alone. Perhaps our senior citizens classes and the young adult classes, maybe we should do some more things together uh, to provide greater unity and, and understanding among ourselves. As we, as we look at these two passages that we, that we just looked at, especially Tim, uh, Titus chapter 2, let's note that the elderly have much to offer in the way of teaching and experience in the service of Christ. The younger ones need, need for those who have been there before and have done, it, have done that, have done that uh, to work with them, showing them how to do what you have successfully done for all these years. You may say, where's the parents? Well, their parents maybe need your help as well. And my speculation is that there would be some parents that would sign up for your cooking class as well. I'm serious about that. Give some thought about that, ladies. Uh, get together and say, you know, Let's have a cooking class and go to Pastor Ash and say, we'd like to teach some of the young ladies in our church and some of the young men, if they want to sign up, or anybody who wants to sign up for teach how, how we do what we do. The stuff that we've done for years. And uh, I bet Pastor Ash would be delighted to hear that. Think about it, okay? It's a ministry. It's a ministry. You say, well, I thought I had to go out on visitation on Thursday night to be involved in ministry. Well, that would help too if you want to do that.
But there are other things that are ministry as well that some of our older people could get involved in. And that brings us to the second half of the lesson, which I only have four minutes to teach. Roman number number two, God's attitude toward retirement is different than the world's. What about this matter of retirement? In many cases, we might call it nothing more than planned obsolescence. Young people are interviewing for their first job. Usually, they usually inquire about the retirement policies of the company that they're seeking employment for with. Uh, they work toward a time when they long, no longer have to work, but that's a sad commentary on our time. God ordained work as a blessing, Genesis 1.28. He didn't issue that command to work after the curse. He issued it before the curse. The curse made it harder to work, thanks to Adam. But work itself is something that God has given to us to benefit for His glory and for our benefit. And so therefore, let us say up front, retirement is not a Christian option. Preacher, aren't you a little hypocritical about it? I think you retired, didn't you? I did. I retired from pastoring. I didn't retire from work. I just retired from the job I got paid for well, it was a calling, but you understand what I'm saying. And, uh, and <clears throat> the show of hands here this morning indicated to me that most of you retired from the job that you got paid doing. But that doesn't mean you retire from work. God's view is that if you have to retire from what you got paid doing, do something else. And the truth is that you may be able to do something else that you still get paid for. You see? There is such a thing as forced retirement. Some companies require their employees to retire at a certain age. There may be some physical reason why you have to retire. We understand that, but not absolute retirement. Absolute retirement is just retiring and doing nothing. But uh, planned retirement or forced retirement or whatever you want to call it, means that you just stopped doing what you got paid, for, paid to do all these years and now you're going to do something different. More something productive. Something that you can do in serving God. You see. And that's God's plan for us. If retirement has to take place, uh, <clears throat> full retirement is not an option for us. Uh, Bear Bryant, who was the famous football head coach for, 20, uh, for 25 years, uh, of the uh, University of Alabama, uh, died just 28 days after he retired. 28 days. And he was quoted in a, uh, in a news conference uh, when he died. He was quoted of having said this, quote, when I stop coaching, I'll die. He did. He died. And... Uh, for him, retirement was planned obsolescence. Life was over. He just finished living. It was all gone. And you know this phenomenon is common. Common enough to, to note, I think. People, people who, um, many who are, uh, are, are elderly look toward retirement. They find, uh, they find that if they don't die afterwards, uh, 
that retirement is not what it's cracked up to be. They die inside. They curl up. They become lifeless. Bury themselves in the television or some other non-productive activity. People are unhappy when they develop a sense of useless obsolescence. God expects the Christian to be productive. Productivity is what, whatever sort, of whatever sort requires work. And uh, one may do something different than he did before. But if he's forced to retire by his company or poor health or by other circumstances, he, he should retire to new work, something, something different. I can give you an illustration out of my own experience of this. Uh, a lady of a church that I used to pastor retired after many years of productive work at a job. And she continued to go to church after she retired for a period of time. And then all of a sudden she just disappeared. I went to visit her and, um, and tried to get her to come back to church and, and, uh, with no success. And um, she got to the place where she just wanted to go to bed. And so she did and didn't want to get up. Her daughter made her get up, but she was soon back in the bed. The next time I went to visit her, she was laying in bed in a fetal position. And a few months after that, I preached her funeral. Some people are like that. She did not have a terminal illness. In fact, when she went to bed, she wasn't ill. She was just obsolete, she thought. Useless, nothing. And she died. She just died. Her daughter was, was dumbfounded about it because she did not have a terminal illness. She just died. Letter A. The Bible's attitude toward retirement. And I've got to do this. Oh, I'm already out of time. I'll tell you what, you're going to have to read this, okay? But let me give you the outline. The Bible's attitude toward retirement. And then letter B is the world's attitude toward retirement. Promise me that you'll read this, please. There's so much in these, in these next two pages that are very important. Very important. Let me say this. I, I really wanted to get to this point this morning. But just before the conclusion, I make some statements like this, that um, about our giving. Those who have money in their old days ought to enjoy using some of it for personal things, of course, but using it in the Lord's work so as to be productive in that way. Have you ever thought about tithing your estate to the church, to God's work? You ever thought about that? Jan and I have this church in our will. Now, I wouldn't normally tell you anything like that, but, <clears throat> but uh, just as an example, um, this church is stated in our will. And... Um, and you ought to think about doing that. What you have worked hard for to accumulate all these years. You know, you, you've tithed all your Christian life. 
You've given your tithe. And, and the, the truth is that a lot of times we get to the place where we think, you know, well, we've, we've done our duty. We, we've, we've fulfilled our biblical responsibility and tithe our income to the church. We've been faithful to that. Well, you don't have to give everything you have to your kids. They may not even need it. They may. I don't know what their situation is. And uh, they may use some of it foolishly. Who knows? But why don't you put it to productive use? At least give a tithe of it to the Lord's work. You know, at least a tithe. That could be a starting point. I think tithing is a starting point anyway, 10%. I think we ought to give more than our tithe. And Jan and I practice that. I wouldn't tell you that if we didn't do that. And, but think about that. I, I, I just think about that. Um, if, you don't have, if you don't have the church in your will, uh, think about putting it in your will. That's all I'm going to say. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. God, thank you for giving us the years we have. I pray, God, that we would be good stewards of these years. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to realize that we're not obsolete. Uh, we're not has-beens. Uh, you've left us here, Lord, on this earth for a reason. We, we have aches and pains, and we complain about them. But God, we still have production. We still have pro uh, productive years ahead of us, many of us. However old we are, Lord, we can be used of you in some fashion some way, and I pray, God, that you'll help us to be innovative enough to realize that and honest enough with ourselves, Lord, to use what we have for your glory. Teach us, Lord, how to teach others. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.